Welcome to another heart-pounding edition of Kapowcast. My heart. <laughs> it's lodged right in this region. <laughs> I am Mike, joined by Jeff Jefferson from Flask Action Heroes. Yo. We're flying, uh, well, not necessarily solo, but... Us two are flying solo today. Us two are flying <laughs> solo. Uh, Tony is still in the future war. Yeah. Uh, I understand he is dealing with some robotic dinosaurs. I think so. And there's, and, there's um, a cockroach that's the president of the United States of America that he has to deal with, too. He's done something that, in turn, has uh, uh, made Mikey non-existent yes. for the time being. We so. didn't notice at first. <laughs> <laughs> so everything's just getting fucked up. Who knows what next week's show might be. Um, today we're going to review a comic book. What? I know. It's been a while. It has been a minute. We're going to review Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. Oh, thank God. Those are easy, easily pronounced <laughs> names. <laughs> I was worried for a minute there. And Gary, Gary F, everybody. Um, but first, we're going to talk about news. Yay. Uh, it's always it's been a longstanding thing on this show where we always talk about how great DC animation is and how awesome they are, how everything they've done. Like they've never done a bad movie per se. Just there's been a couple of stellar. Been a, I'm trying to think of the one that was just out and out bad. Closest I would say would be Gods and Monsters. I probably I mean, even though yeah, like you said, that wasn't bad. There, I'm trying to. I think there was one that I just uh, the one about um, Damian Wayne. I didn't like. Oh yeah, the Batman ones are a little lackluster. Like the, that, the like Son even of like, Batman and stuff even like, like that. the animation in it wasn't that great. Um, Although it did have uh, that was one that had nuns with uh, yeah yeah the ninjas ninjas. Um, so po- points for that. But we always talk about how great it is and how Marvel needs to step up their game. Well, they're going to be taking a shot uh, this year at New York Comic Con. They're uh, premiering a new Hulk animated film called Hulk, Where Monsters Dwell. Hmm. I don't know anything else other than that. <laughs> um, I'm actually like looking at the, the thing right here. I thought it was about the Hulk. It is about the Hulk. So, uh, see what I did there. But it doesn't really do... Okay, wait, here we go. The spooky action-packed feature <laughs> length film. Is follows- it a Scooby-Doo crossover? Yeah. Follows Hulk, Doctor Strange, and the Howling Commandos on a mission to stop Nightmare from conquering the world. That sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. It's a very interesting uh, lineup. Yeah, really weird group. So is this this going to involve time travel? I hope so. Or is it just going to be like the geriatric Howling Commandos? (laughs) Um, Maybe this will be a a new direction for Marvel. Maybe we'll see some more animated films come out that are... Top notch because like their best one right now is probably Hulk versus and that was just Hulk versus Wolverine that was a good one. yeah and most of that was due to Deadpool <laughs> yeah it had really good action like it had almost no plot whatsoever which no was, which very, was fine because there were two it was Hulk versus there was two parts there's Hulk versus Thor then there's Hulk versus Wolverine and they're each split into like a maybe what like thirty minute forty minute uh, yeah around around forty minutes little story so there's not obviously too much plot. Or anything like that. Well, when you got verses in the title, you don't really, you know, need that much of a plot. It had a plot. Just doesn't need one. Yeah. It's, it's like porn. It doesn't really need a plot. <laughs> um, this is, yeah, like this is literally the first I've heard about this, so we'll see, <laughs> I guess. Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll give they're, it a... They're giving, 
Doctor Strange all kinds of weird team ups. There's that team up with uh, Punisher, Magic Bullets. Mm-hmm. I really want to read that. I, I, I think they said it was a digital exclusive, but I'm not sure. Oh, they're skitting on that bandwagon, aren't yeah. they? Well, I mean, you got to have some eventually. Yeah, it's true. I guess you got to do what you got to do. It'll probably be released in a paper format, you know, later. <laughs> some sort of special edition to come out with, like, the Doctor Strange movie or something. Who knows? Yeah, tie it all in, make create a big, uh, big hustle, yes. hustle and bustle over it. Um, speaking more of Marvel, uh, you know, they've been doing Civil War 2. Yes. And the yeah. last issue is now, it was just supposed to be a summer event. And they had one issue that was pushed back till October, which now the last issue is going to be out until December. What is it with their scheduling problems? I mean, they had um, their Secret Wars thingy. That got pushed back by nearly a year, too, didn't it? Um, I think, yeah. Parts, uh, of, parts of it. Like, like they'd already moved on before parts of it had ended. That is absolutely true. Uh, Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis was one who was doing that one, and that one's delayed. I know part of the delays for this is uh, the artist of Civil War to his wife recently had a baby like right around the time of the issue, so I guess that kind of delayed things a little bit, but it's his own fault. <laughs> he knew what he was getting That's into. Right. But then things just kind of I guess like once you they had the one issue delayed until October, so now that's like pushing everything back. And this is all supposed to spin into the new like Marvel now continuity. I don't uh, know. Marvel Flashpoint. <laughs> Mar- yeah, it's something. I mean, it's uh to be honest, uh, you know, I haven't read it, so but it just unless the writing's superb, it really the premise doesn't sound that interesting to me. Does anybody really like do these big crossover events really even capture anybody's attention anymore since they happen so frequently? That's what I like. I mean, I lost interest around the Secret Invasion, and then there was like uh, there was Fear itself, and like I just uh, Original Sin, and I, I was like, eh, you know, they. I swear it's. What if they just took like a two, three year ba- break from like any kind of major crossover, even like, like one a year, like just have one every summer, mm-hmm. and just stick with that. Instead of uh, every three, four months. Because another crossover, another yeah. big event that will Things change will the Things will never be the same. But they probably will. Yes, but same. we'll switch it back when it's not catching on. <laughs> We're beating a dead horse. Yeah. I didn't. Well, so are they. So it's only fair. <laughs> it's true. Good point. I like how you think. <laughs> tit like- for tat, my friend. <laughs> um. I read something really uh, interesting, actually, this morning. This isn't really news, but it's just something I, I thought was kind of weird that I didn't know about. Um, apparently, back in like the 1980s, sometimes after the Richard Donner Batman movie, mm-hmm. or Richard Donner Superman movie, sorry, yeah. they were planning a, uh, a Batman movie. This was before Tim Burton's. And uh, the director that was attached was the director of uh, Gremlins. <laughs> Wait. Didn't Steven Spielberg direct Gremlins? Uh, he wrote it, I believe. Uh, it, was like, it was like a Steven Spielberg Presents. That's how they get you. Uh, yeah, that's how they really in. Uh, it would have been like a, in the same vein as like Richard Donner's Superman movie where it's like in the it's like a uh, origin story, yada, yada, yada. Mm. Uh, Bruce parents die, blah, 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 blah. Huh. Uh, but the most interesting part about this is, well, there's two interesting parts. One... Um, when remembering the script, uh, the 
gentleman they were talking to uh, who was, uh, fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, director of Gremlins, Joe Dante, Mm -hmm. they were talking to him, they were asking about it, and he said that uh, the script was a cross between the Adam West TV Batman and Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. That sounds amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like it go one of two ways. I guess it could go multiple ways, depending on which aspects he mixed, but Um, it certainly sounds interesting. Yeah. And uh, the the person, they were going to have Joker and Penguin be the villain. Interesting. They don't give, they don't really dive into any... The fact uh, that it's two uh, villains is definitely shades of uh, Adam West. Um... They don't really give any casting information except for one person. Who? And that uh, for the Joker, they wanted uh, he wanted John Lithgow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been scary because John Lithgow is like six five, isn't he? Yeah. That's a really weird. Cho- but he's a. I mean, he's always been a clownish person, and he can kind of play. Uh, he's played that like more dark. Oh yeah, he uh, was in season was it four of Dexter? Mm-hmm. And he was in that Raising Kane movie, which I never saw. Uh, he, so he can play that kind of darker, twisted mm-hmm. tone. You know? He's good at playing a psychopath, that's for sure. You know, most people think of John Lithgow now. You think of him either like from Harry and the Hendersons. Or Third Rock from or the Sun. Or Third Rock yeah. from the Sun. Like that's everyone's first go-to image. But I was like... Or Buckaroo Banzai in the Eighth Dimension. But uh, I guess the reason that the director ended up dropping out is the more... It was just actually kind of ironic. The more he thought about like casting John Lithgow as a Joker and going that route, he became more... Uh, interested in the Joker aspect of the movie <laughs> than the actual Batman one. He was just kind of like, ah, I'm, not, I'm not right for this. <laughs> but then they made the 1989 Batman, so yep. <laughs> and which focused mostly, mostly on uh, the Joker. Well, to be fair, it was uh, Jack Nicholson, so... He was top billed over Michael Keaton. Yeah. He yeah. negotiated the shit out of that contract. Well, who can blame him? I mean, he realized I, that he was Jack Nicholson. Well, I, he holds all the cards. The story for that is great. Is that like they kept asking him to do it, and he, he kept like putting it off, saying, eh. <laughs> and then they were like, well, "All he right, was huge." Yeah, at that point in time, yeah. he was like, you know, a. Well, he. I mean, I still consider him a loss, but he was like yeah. top of the list, you know. And he was an active actor, so he could just pick and choose whatever pro, you know project he wanted mm-hmm. to be involved in. He. Uh, so then, since he was like dragging his feet, the studio was like, "Well, you know what? Let's start considering other people." And so they went. <clears throat> to Robin Williams. Oh, man. And, uh, Thank God they didn't go with that. Once, like, Jack Nicholson's camp got word of it, they were like, all right, well, this is what we want. And they were like, all right, done. <laughs> but they had already, like, approached Robin Williams about it. And, like, Robin Williams, for, you know, he was still pretty, uh, pretty bitter about that for a long time. That's fine. Oh, man. I hope that doesn't, you know, led to his depression and suicide. <laughs> <laughs> Is it too soon? Well, you know, I mean, the Joker has led to so many deaths in the Hollywood community. That's true. What's another one? Yeah. We'll <laughs> <laughs> probably have to cut that part out. Will we? No, probably not. <laughs> um, before we jump into reviewing this book, I do have a very interesting story to tell you. Um, this isn't news related, but it's just kind of a funny story. Uh, the other day I was at work. And I, uh, I had my Magneto shirt on, which for those of you who've never seen it, it's basically it's just a, a 
Magneto's helmet. There's not like a head in it, but it's just like the helmet. Very minimalist. Very minimalist, yeah. And it's like, uh, it doesn't have, it's cell-shaded. It doesn't have uh, lines, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. And But anyway, so uh, at my job, um, I have to wear a certain uh, mesh vest. <laughs> I won't. He's a, uh, he's a dominatrix. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it, it cuts off. You kind of just see, like, the top of the uh, Magneto helmet. And uh, one of the, the people I work with who, you know, in all intents and purposes, nothing against them, but has probably never read a comic book in their life, doesn't, you know, probably isn't interested in it or whatever for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And she looks over at me and she's like, hey, is, is that a Deadpool shirt? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, no, no, it's, you know, and there's a couple other like managers and stuff up there. And I was like, no, no. I was like, it's Magneto. Uh-huh. And she's like, what? <laughs> and like, it's uh, another X Men guy. Don't worry. Me about. and like one of the managers were like Magneto. She's like, I don't, I don't know who that is. <laughs> and another manager was like, Yeah, I don't know who that is. Well, either. Well, he survived the Holocaust, so maybe was, you should read your history. We were talking. And we were, I was like, Are you? There have been six movies <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> with him in it. There have been cartoons, and she's like, I don't watch cartoons. I'm like, Of Those course you don't. <laughs> and. uh I was like, you know, I was like, Sir Ian McKellen played him. He was knighted. She's like, is Gandalf. Hudolf? Nope. I like, is he in Deadpool? Yeah, I pull up my phone and I, I show like a picture of like Magneto from the comic books and, oh. <laughs> and I just, I just thought it was so funny that like there have been, X-Men's been like in other forms of media since like the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Hell, even like the 80s with the old, uh, X-Men cartoon. Uh, yeah, and they, they tied in with uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yeah. Like, even all that, I'm like, you didn't... But from one movie, mm-hmm. looks at the top and it's like, oh, is that Deadpool? <laughs> I just thought that was so bizarre. That's funny. Well, it's, it's a good sign, I guess. Of, uh, it is. It's, it's, those movies have so much more pull. And it kind of shows you, like, uh, the demographic... Mm-hmm. Differences like, you know, the not knowing Magneto, who's been in six movies since the early two thousands. I think it's you know the number one X Men villain. Yeah, and then Deadpool, who's basically had one movie. Yeah, and uh, just kind of blew my mind. He's a comedic relief character who's gotten his own comics too, but he was yeah he was just like a side character really. And yeah, he normally is, is most of his famous stuff is side stuff like showing up in the X Men or or in Cable and Deadpool equal billing kind of stuff. It's just, it's really weird to see Deadpool. He's kind of crossed that, um, that line, that barrier of, you know, comics to pop culture. Yeah, it's a casual moviegoer uh, knowledge. Like, you know, everyone knows who Deadpool is. Like, yeah, like now it's like the it, same person who knows who Batman Superman is now knows who Deadpool is, but can't tell you who Magneto <laughs> yeah. is. It's just like... That's funny. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, Magneto is less famous now than he was... Because um, there are characters, I mean, people that recognized him. Because the X-Men movies are terrible. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're not terrible. But no. Uh, Most of them. Like comic book fans from like the 60s, of course, would recognize them. But now they're getting older and older. And people that are like in between past the baby boomer generation, like Gen Xers, wouldn't know him necessarily as well in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas people our age would know him from the animated series and then the movies. Right. Um, it's just a weird generation gap kind of thing in a lot of ways. I'm I'm very curious, like, 
the you know same kind of person that would be able to pick out you know or think they could pick out like a Deadpool mask or like that, but not know Magneto would you know what would they would be like as far as like other Marvel characters mm-hmm. like in the cinematic universe. Who knows? That's weird. Because you know we're just a couple months away from there being a Doctor Strange movie. I know. After we've already gotten an Ant Man movie, we're going to be getting a Black Panther movie. I never thought they'd get like this obscure into uh, characters. I didn't know if I was ever going to be this interested when they got that obscure into characters. Uh-huh. I mean, because like Ant Man, I was like, you maybe I'll give it a shot. And um, it was awesome. I, I, you know, the I don't want to say I don't want to consider myself like a, a casual comic book reader because I'm not, but. There was definitely, you know, you you had your A characters and mm-hmm. then your B list, C list, D list, so on and so forth. And to me, like Ant Man and uh, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, they always seem to kind of seem like C list characters to me. I well, I mean, um, they're not known for their. If you're not known for your solo stuff so much as uh, being part of something, yeah, your group stuff, then that's where you delve into B list. I'd consider them B list. Mm-hmm. Black Panther, uh, he has a very diehard following. But, you know, if you really think about it, in a, in a general public perspective, you know, you fast, you know, fast forward, rewind to 2008, <laughs> and some people would have probably considered Iron Man to be like a B-list character. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with like uh, Thor. Yeah. You know, if it wasn't Spider-Man or X-Men... Yeah, there was a time where Wonder Woman was more famous than Thor or Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Very true. And now she's, uh, well, just playing catch-up at this point. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird time we live in. Well, a lot of it's uh, because of Marvel selling the rights to so many of their A-list characters that they were forced to result to their uh, characters that they had left. And it actually, in my opinion, it worked out for the better because... We wouldn't have gotten an Avengers movie like they would have just focused on like Spider Man and X Men, mm-hmm. and now they're focusing on the Avengers with Captain America and Iron Man. That just makes me Guardians really, of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Now that's fucking like E list. Yeah, that's uh, right there. I mean, they ju- they rebooted Guardians of the Galaxy in the mid two thousands, I think, and it sold okay. And they did some cosmic stuff with them, but they were definitely uh, niche territory. It was like you know a cosmic Marvel. Uh, Something you'd, you know, just... They, they were famous for tie-in stuff that they did with like, is, Silver Surfer. There's the difference between, like, Guardians and Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, and all that. Like, even though I never really read a Doctor Strange or Ant-Man book, I still know who they are. Mm-hmm. But when they announced that they were doing a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I was seriously... My reaction was, what? <laughs> like, I, I actually... I, I didn't too. I didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I knew Zilch. I I only knew them because of uh, the Annihilation Wave tie-in they did with the Silver Surfer, which was actually very good. But uh, I prefer the movie incarnation of the Guardians to the comic incarnation. More comedic relief. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that these uh, characters are being, like, thrusted into the spotlight, Mm -hmm. that more people are knowing them. I'm not, like, a fucking uh, comic book elitist or... uh, you know, uh, I don't go to the movies and be like, oh, look at all these fucking posers yeah, here. Casuals, casuals. Fucking hipsters and comic, thinking they're comic book fans. Like, <laughs> I, like, Just come and enjoy a comic book movie. You, you know, know what? I never understood. Like, sorry, I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent here. I wasn't <laughs> expecting this. I, I never un- understood that line of thinking. And 
I can you can go back all the way back to like when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. People were very protective of like the bands they listened to. Yes. Like if a band they liked made it big or got famous, it was like, oh fuck me. <laughs> I liked them before they were cool, but I'm not going to like them anymore. Older stuff's better. Yep. I just, I never understood this, this frame of mind of like, I'm a fan of something, but I don't want I it just, to be successful. I just want to hoard all the knowledge of it. And yeah. As soon as it's successful, it's no longer good. I mean, I guess, I guess part of it could be, I'm going to play like devil's advocate here where. Well, they, well, to them, it's like their secret treasure in yeah. a lot of ways. Like, like something they have and, and they don't want to share with other people. Mm-hmm. Or, or the fact that other people are now getting it and they've and got it for they're so less, long. They're less special for... Yeah. I just... I've never been one like that. Like, I'm the type of person, like, if I read, like, an awesome comic book or, uh, you know, a band or something, like, mm-hmm. I want to show other people. I want other people to experience it and... Yeah, so uh, you can discuss it. Exactly. Your, your like of mind on it, you know. And I love the fact that, you know, you know we don't have to hide that we're nerds so much anymore. Yeah. Not that we had to, but there's always, you know, a stigma. There was yes. always a stigma to it. Like, you couldn't, you know, be as proud because you're always like, oh, this person's going to judge me. <laughs> now, I really, I don't know if it's old age or if it's just because this stuff is so prevalent in pop culture that I just, I don't care anymore. Yeah, I, I, I go to so- Myers and I walk in the toy aisle and I'm just like, oh, let me see what fun Marvel Legend they got here. <laughs> <laughs> then they go to the T-shirt section. And it's dominated by comic book characters, yeah, dead, DC and Marvel. You know, you go to Target, and this is kind of bringing the conversation full circle. And there's like three, four Deadpool shirts. Yep. It's like who would fucking think that there would be Deadpool shirts? I know at Target, and I love it. I love that it's so much more accessible now. The movies have. Some people say the movies might be hurting the comic book industry, but I think it's a it's a double edged sword. It's hurting and helping. Might be hurting some of the writing, some of the... Only in the main uh, comics. Like, they say that it affects it. Uh, I think that the more attention that's brought to comics, the better, because now you're even seeing indie comics getting looked at for green lights for... I mean, like, even uh, 10 years ago, they were making comic book movies out of, like, you know, Hellboy, which nobody knew about. And uh, I just, you know, the more attention that's brought to comic books, the better, I feel. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not stuck up about it. Uh, I don't understand, you know, like, whatever. If you want to go dress up as Harley Quinn or the Joker like everyone else is, then go for it. Be the best damn Harley Quinn you can be. I uh, just If something's popular, don't let that stop you from enjoying it is what I say. Yeah. Don't think that just because it's popular you can't enjoy it. Or just because it's popular that... It's less special. It's less special to you. Like, you still have those memories. You still have, you know... That feeling when you were isolated and you were kind of a weirdo because you loved your superheroes and you loved your action figures and all this stuff. But now it's like everybody's getting on it. So now you can share it with everybody. You don't have to be a a basement dweller. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As we record in the basement. Yes, we record. (laughs) 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 I wasn't expecting going on that. Tangent, but that was it was cathartic. I enjoyed it was, it. yeah. So let's talk about uh, Batman Earth One, the meat and potatoes. Yes, uh, this is a uh, graphic novel written by Jeff Johns, very famous DC uh, author. Done lots and also of really good stuff, and also like the uh, 
overseer now of DC Comics, DC Films. Which is nuts. I never thought I'd see that either. Um, this is a very different take on uh, the Batman mythos. Very much. If you will. If you will. <laughs> um, the art's really solid. Yeah, I love the art. The art's like, like uh, and I, I still maintain that I think DC probably still has some of the best artists over uh, a lot of the stuff I see from Marvel, honestly. I mean... I, I wouldn't know currently, but um, DC does have very good art. To me, uh, from what I've seen of a lot of like Marvel's art lately, like just this picture of what I think might be from Civil War... It looks very cartoony. Yeah, I like. I really hate how Marvel gives work to uh, people like Umberto Ramos and like styles that are more graffiti-like and like proportions taken to the extreme. And I just, it's not my cup of tea. If that is good for you, I mean, then there's the opposite end of the spectrum. There's like Alex Ross, mm-hmm. who draws everything like a weird photograph of a mush fifteen monster. beefy muscle man. You know, like, <laughs> they look like mush monsters. They do, just like. like I, I, I mean, he's good for covers, but I, I don't enjoy, for the most part, his uh, work when it comes to actual comic books. Right. Because everything's like a really weird idealized painting, and <laughs> it's just bizarre looking to me. Um, and he can't draw women for crap, in my opinion. It's also a very like weird, like, uh, this book has a very strange Batman costume. Yes. Kind of almost looks like, to me, it reminds me of like a flight suit almost. Mm-hmm. And the helmet doesn't have like the white out in the eyes. Um, it goes for a more, uh, a more realistic, like sort of, uh, not to you know be cliche, but it has like a Nolan verse like vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Very grim and gritty, with uh, more feasible. Like nothing in this comic that happened, it, nothing superhuman happened. Right. It's uh, really extraneous circumstances that are unlikely to happen happened in it. But I keep on wanting to call it. Year one, but it's not year one. It's Earth, Earth one, one. Uh, but it is essentially like the beginning of Batman, and, and it uh, dives into uh, his parents. And his, there's a little bit of a different background here with his parents. Uh, and be warned, by the way, if, if you haven't spoilers. read this, there's going to be spoilers. Uh, we recommend. I recommend it, and you should, you know. So you should probably pause it. Yeah, pause the show, go buy it, read it, and then come back, and we'll be all up to speed. <laughs> we'll all be on the same page. But uh, literally, the Bruce Wayne's parents have a little bit of a different interpretation where uh, Thomas Wayne's running for mayor. Mm-hmm. They don't mention if he's a doctor, do they? Uh, they say that he got his billions in medical technology. But that could be anything. Yeah. So he could just be like a philanthropist or something. Who knows? And uh, the weirdest thing was that his uh, wife... Was uh, her maiden name is Arkham, and she's apparently the, the other big family that helped build. Uh, yeah, which was very strange. I thought that I was. I actually had to stop for a minute. I'm like, is that actual canon or? But it's not. I I, I looked don't it think up. It's uh, kink, yeah, Martha Wayne's original maiden name is uh, Martha. Kane. Oh, Martha Kane, and they were like a. They uh, were made their money through like chemicals and stuff like that. Um. I, I thought that was a, it was very interesting. I, I thought it was a really cool take, and uh, them uh, going a little later in the book talking about how mental illness ran in uh, Martha's side of the family, mm-hmm. and there was a history of madness and murder. I thought that was really cool and added to the mythos of Batman because he's a cuckoo for cocoa puffs. And <laughs> um, also, uh, I think we had mentioned it 
way back when they announced uh, the casting of Jeremy Irons as Alfred, and then we mm-hmm. started hearing what kind of Alfred he was going to be. But the Alfred in this book is, you can tell that's kind of the Alfred they were going for Yeah, in big, Batman v Superman. Big time. Uh, he served in some kind of war with um, uh, Thomas Wayne, I, yeah. under the impression I got. He was in the Royal Marines, they said. Uh, I think they were in like Desert Storm, I would probably be. Most likely, because... Well, maybe, but he'd be pretty old for that. Well, maybe he was higher ranking, and who knows? And then, yeah. Well, no, I, I feel like uh, this story, like the Earth One, is taking place. The actual story where he's Batman is taking place like in the two thousands. Yeah, and then because uh, one of the characters even mentions, you know, buy the Blu Ray or something like that. Oh, that's true. So, um, I, if time wise, you know, if you go to when he was young, and then. So yeah, he could have. It could have been. So Desert Batman Storm. would be around thirty-five then. Yeah. So yeah, that does make sense. And then yeah, he was a, Alfred was a security advisor after that. Yeah, and he uh, does not look like the Alfred. Oh no, not at all. He looks. Yeah. He looks like a like a shorter, uh, skinnier version of Kevin Nash. <laughs> he does. He's a. He's got short, cropped gray hair and a bushy uh, goatee, and he walks with a limp. Yeah, it isn't your. It isn't your papa's. Alfred, that's no, for sure. No, he isn't, he isn't reserved at all. He's um, like very blunt. and uh, We also get introduction and introduction to some other characters. Of course, Commissioner Gordon, or Jim Gordon's in it, Detective Gordon, whatever you want to fucking mm-hmm. call him. Um, we get uh, uh, a young Harvey Dent. Who is the most drastic change. Yeah, he's uh, uh, there's a scene where young Bruce Wayne is walking past what used to be the uh, asylum all right, wasn't estate? it? Um, yeah, it was the, there was just the Arkham Estate. I'm assuming it gets changed into to a, Arkham uh, Asylum. Yeah, yeah. and they talk about how like it's a bad place, and young Harvey Dent comes walking up, <laughs> starts making fun of him for his uh, grandma. Was it his grandma or great grandma that yeah, um, jumped off the roof after smashing her husband's head in with a sledgehammer? Yep, yep. And then you're like, oh, so Harvey Dent's kind of a dick. I guess that's where the whole Two Face thing comes well, in. Like, I actually, when I was reading it, there's a one panel because uh, when he's doing this, Bruce Wayne kind of hauls off and socks him in the face, uh-huh. and the way his face is smushed because uh-huh. it, it actually shows like Bruce Wayne's fist hitting his face, and the way it's smushed, it kind of looks like a Two Face, like foreshadowing. I, I was like, I was like, I don't know if that was intent, but it was it. It works. Yeah, I mean, um, the art is really good, and uh, I there aren't any any unnecessary panels. In fact. It's minimalist in a lot of ways because there's literal pages with uh, grunting and sound effects being the only thing that, uh, you know, the only word bubbles that appear. Um, the other drastic change is Harvey Bullock. Yes. <laughs> now, most of you probably remember Harvey Bullock from Batman the Animated Series. He was a fat, you know, sloppy piece of shit. <laughs> Who hated Batman. In this book, he is slim. He's Yeah, he's very svelte. He's like... Well, he and he comes from L.A. He was a hotshot detective in L.A. There's like a reality show he was on. Uh huh. Yeah, he hosted some sort of weird version of Unsolved Mysteries, except for he solved the cases or something. Yeah, and he's kind of a uh, you know uh, a, a glory hog and kind of a you know he tries to flirt his way with women uh-huh. through things and uh, he's trying to bang uh, Barbara Gordon. He's, yeah, very <laughs> very interesting take on the character. I will say that like it was I didn't hate it. No, uh, I was just like I was blown away that they went that far with a drastic change. Yeah, 
they yeah they didn't pull any punches with that at all. But you know at the same time I would have figured he'd be really unlikable, but he is actually uh, noble. Yeah, he's very noble, which is odd because normally it's the other way around with a character like that. But mm-hmm. you know he's just he's actually extremely naive, thinking that he'll just be able to breeze through the cold cases and throw his name on the top, and everyone will live happily ever after. Yeah, and he's seeing the true face of Gotham, and still trying to be a good cop at the same time, and not really having been in a situation like that before, which is odd because he's an L.A. cop, but you know. <laughs> um, Gotham's worse than L.A. Yeah. That says something. Well, like, yeah, I, I, lo- I really like the portrayal of Gotham in this, actually. Like, um, the interconnection of the organized uh, crime with uh, the police and uh, the mayoral staff and how, like, really, you know, there was no clear line between any of them. They're all just interconnected. It was done better than in a lot of uh, comics I've read with Batman. We, uh, uh, we find out, too, that uh, Oswald Cobblepot <laughs> is the mayor of Gotham. Who had apparently been the mayor for, you know, a good 20 years. Yeah. At least. Um, the most jarring part, well, not jarring, that's not the right word, the most, uh, like, whoa part of the book for me, well, not maybe the most, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, one of the like, crazier parts is, like, uh, they do the whole, you know, leading up into the Waynes getting killed. And, like, it is kind of Bruce Wayne's fault. Oh, big time. He insisted on going into the alley, or not the alley, the uh, movie theater at night. And then Thomas Wayne insisted on not having a security detail because he wanted Bruce to have a normal life. And then he... The power gets... The power goes out of the theater which, they go which to. Which was highly suspicious, of course. And... Uh, you know, the Martha is just like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll come later in the weekend, you know, mm-hmm. Bruce. And he's like, no, I want to see it now. He's kind of a rich brat. Yeah, he is big time. Um, he says, no, he wants to see it now when he goes flying out the back exit and the parents follow him. And he, he bumps into some uh, guy in a hoodie. And then he tells the guy, he's like, I'm Bruce Wayne. Yeah, the like, my son parents of the, yeah, are the, the richest <laughs> in the city. And it's just, <laughs> then the guy's just like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. So uh, that he, really, I think that helps. Explain how much of a uh, effect it had on Bruce's brain because I mean, um, I mean, seeing your parents getting shot in an alley would definitely be catastrophic. But like having to place that blame on yourself, yeah, too. would definitely lead you to have a like a psychosis about it. And uh, after all that happens, poor Alfred is just pretty much thrown this kid. <laughs> oh yeah, they really threw him under the bus on that one. <laughs> They're like, let's make Alfred the. Uh, the Guardian, but <laughs> not, not tell, tell him. him. <laughs> Wink. While we go into Crime Alley. And then, you know, he, it happens, and the, the cops are telling him, he's like, I'm not, I don't want the kid. <laughs> like, either that or he goes into an orphanage. He's like, well, fuck. <laughs> well, I guess I'll just be the very rich caretaker of this child then. Um, which I guess is a little bit more believable than leaving him to your butler. Yeah. I will... Well, apparently they went way back and they were old friends who had just started reconnecting or something. Mm-hmm. And it was something he was going to explain to him later. Who knows? It's very, you know, once again, a, a different take, but it, and the way it's done, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You're not like, well, that's, they just changed that just to fucking, I think they just tried to, to improve and tweak, but not, you know, anything where it's just jarring and. At no point was it, of it change made for the sake of change. I thought everything was part of a coherent story. And like, even if you had never read a uh, Batman comic in your life, you could enjoy this. Um, I don't know about you, 
Uh, there's been a lot of talk on who's going to be the villain in the next uh, Ben Affleck Batman movie. My vote is for Birthday Boy. <laughs> he is one of the creepier villains. There's a he's a this guy is by you know he's a serial killer employed by Oswald Cobblepot, paid for with uh, little girls, well adolescent girls, and he basically he ends up killing these people by like giving them a birthday cake and then telling them to make a wish and then kills them. <laughs> it's he's. They said he was reliving uh, his first murder, which was of a 15-year-old debutante that he killed on her birthday. <laughs> and uh, just to paint you the picture of this... Uh, gentleman. Yeah, gentleman. This person. Uh, he's a big hulking of a guy with a striped shirt on. It was like a striped polo or something? Yeah, or? and then he has a burlap sack over his head <laughs> with a birthday hat on top. <laughs> he's a very normal and non-intimidating looking person. He is... It's he, he's it, built like a shit brick house. He's definitely fucking gigantic. If I ran into him, if I saw somebody like walking down the street in that exact attire, I would probably turn around and walk <laughs> the other way. Hey, there's a seven foot tall bodybuilder with a burlap sack and a party head with like you know, glaring, bugging out eyes the whole time. I think for like an added bonus, he should have had one of the party blowers in his mouth, <laughs> <laughs> just to give it that extra little. An extra it little was def- something. It was definitely, um, they went for creepy and they pulled it off quite well. It, uh, I don't know if that was an, an original character introduced by them, but it worked. It was, uh, yeah, I, I, have, <laughs> I have no recollection of a Batman villain named Birthday Boy. And yeah, it was an, it was an interesting, uh, you know, for a character that, um, was, uh, had very little dialogue besides a his, one-off. Yeah. A one-off right. character. He's pretty memorable. Yes. <laughs> it definitely sticks. I'd like you. to see more of him. I'd like to see more interpretations of Birthday Boy. I always liked the uh, the Batman villains that were human, but like... Calendar Man? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like the Clock King. No, uh, just characters that were, you know, just had a weird motif, but they were psychotic murderers that were strong because of their super, you know, they insanely strong, but it wasn't due to... I really liked the uh, interpretation in Arkham Knight of uh, Professor Pig. I did not see that. How was that? Really creepy. <laughs> yeah. Really, uh, he's like trying to cut people up to create like the perfect person. It's really fucking weird. Wow. <laughs> he looks creepy too. Um, but anyways. Uh, he's probably a crazy person. Probably. <laughs> he might have a screw loose. Um, Harvey Dent, uh, or not Harvey Dent, Harvey Bullock, basically like his whole thing with coming to Gotham is he wants to Close the Thomas and Martha Wayne case because it's, you know, still open and he wants it for, you know, his, you know, publicity and and all that jazz. And uh, in trying to get this, he checks out a bunch of evidence under Jim Gordon's name, which raises a red flag with somewhere with uh, Mayor Cobblepot and they end up kidnapping Barbara Gordon Um. By birthday boy. <laughs> what I wonder is how does he get around like inconspicuously? Birthday boy? Yeah. You don't. <laughs> how did he kidnap her in the first place? Did other people kidnap her and bring her to him or something? Maybe. Maybe they just like throw them in in his party room. <laughs> it's like little like Caesar land. <laughs> I th- someone pooped in the ball pit. <laughs> oh man. Those guys are those kids are Monsters that happened a lot. I have friends that work there. 
They said it was like a weekly occurrence having to clean poop out of the ball pit mm-hmm. or out of the tubes. And like, <laughs> can you imagine, like, those tubes probably just smell like That's why they closed it, man. Oh, they did a while ago, but those years uh, ago. Now it's a pet supplies plus, so it's still filled with poop. There is a, uh, the, the book culminates, if you will, with a confrontation. <laughs> with a confrontation between uh, Batman and Cobblepot. Which this shows like bat- how green Batman is. Yeah, uh, Cobblepot pulls out Penguin. Fuck, I'm just gonna call him Penguin. Penguin pulls out an umbrella, and Batman's just kind of like an umbrella. <laughs> and in turn, he ends up getting shanked with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in a, in, a, in a first of a couple shocking moments, uh, Penguin rips off Batman's mask and <laughs> finds out that it's Bruce Wayne. And I was like, uh-oh. Yep. How are they going to... Well, I think me and you were of the same mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty we, sure. We, we, were, we were both like, <laughs> this isn't going to end well. <laughs> but how? The penguin will kill him and then become Batman. And that's what happened. <laughs> it was a weird ending, but... kind of kind of took its own <laughs> life. <laughs> um, but... Uh, and then, you know, you... you the way they have it drawn, you hear the the shotgun blast, and there's Alfred standing there with a big old sh- <laughs> shotgun, and he shoots Penguin with a shotgun, who in turn goes flying out the window <laughs> and hitting the pavement. After opening his umbrella. And he is fucking dead. <laughs> yeah, he's dead as shit. <laughs> so we, there will be no more Penguin in this nope. Earth I, One universe. Birthday Boy got, uh, I think he got, appar- yeah, he was handcuffed and not killed. Yeah, thank God. And then Harvey uh, Bullock fell into his uh, murder pit, which was full of like at least 100 dead young girls. Yeah. <laughs> it was like just full, chop full. Well, they show him, he like uh, throws his hand down to get up and it like yeah. snaps a girl's arm or something. Ugh. And it just, you know, left him horrifically scarred and broken. You know, and then he's like, going to put on some weight. And- yeah, he just, he. It, they mentioned before he never touched alcohol. Like right after that, he went to a liquor store <laughs> and ordered the strongest thing they had. And that's that's where Harvey Bullock became the... the- yep, they handed him a bag of donuts. And he said, oh, these are even better. <laughs> alcohol and donuts. Nom, 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 <laughs> nom, 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 nom. Eating them double-fisted. <laughs> uh, and then yeah. the the... Story ends with a cliffhanger of uh, Riddler, which, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure there's a book, too, of this. I may have to pick it up. Yeah, I'll give it a read if it's the uh, same uh, writers. Once you once you read a story like that and you see these weird interpretations, mm-hmm. well, not weird, but these different kind of cool interpretations Some of, them of were people, weird. you want to see the other ones. Like, okay, I want to see their take on Riddler. I want to see their take Killer on Moth. Killer Moth and <laughs> Maxi Zeus. Oh, I did always love Maxwell. Egghead. Uh, <laughs> all the classics. Oh, yeah. Um, overall, I would absolutely recommend it. It was a really good read. It was really enjoyable. I was a little leery because of how, you know, different things were going. And then, uh, you know, at no point was I like, oh, bullshit. No, not you do ruin my character. No, it was a... Uh, Batman also gets shot in the head in this. Yes, it, uh, <laughs> glazed his or grazed his skull. Apparently, um, he wears a bulletproof bat helmet or something. Well, you kind of. He's got just to really stubborn in and that like, line of work. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, oh, also they introduce uh, Lucius, a very young Lucius Fox. Oh yes, of who course. has anger issues. 
<laughs> Don't we all? Does Batman have fucking anger issues? No. Sorry. <laughs> One other thing I really enjoyed about um, the book was the history of how bizarre Gotham City is. Like, they showed a map of uh, Gotham City... And it was a giant, the streets all formed into a giant spiral. <laughs> like, uh, they talked about what a maze it was, and then they show the map of it. Like, all the streets are, like, circling in towards the center. Like, it was really weird. Because, you know, showing that this city is like a cesspool. Yeah, just, a, gi- a giant vortex. Pulls you in. <laughs> and, you know, you enter it never touching alcohol, and then yep. you leave it. One case later. You know, with a, you know. Box of donuts in one hand and a <laughs> pint of Jack in another. Hell yeah. That sounds like Jeff's Friday nights. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't kidding. I think I think I, I remember you having that breakfast. Oh, yeah. You remember I felt, that time I fell into that murder pit and I was just like, oh, man. I remember uh, that time. Donuts you, and liquor. You came over and you had a burlap sack and a party hat on your head. <laughs> I Promise thought not that to talk weird. about that. Um, and also, too, in this series of books, there's also like an Earth One Superman, uh, Earth One, or not Earth One, fuck my life. <laughs> in this series of books, there's also, uh, uh, oh, it is Earth One. <laughs> yeah, you confused me. Oh, man. I'm getting confused. There's an Earth One uh, Superman, Earth One Wonder Woman. I think there's uh, Batgirl as well. Yeah, they um, also hint at Batgirl. Yeah, they show her drawing her little sketch, which, I, which as uh, somebody who. Used to draw and sometimes still does. I like when I looked at it, you could see like the circles she was like drawing uh-huh, for, for like the model, like, like the model and stuff yeah. like that. I was like, oh, that's a cool little uh, detail that not many will appreciate, but I fucking did. <laughs> uh, but yes, I recommend it. Go pick it up. I'm sure they have it on uh, softback by now. Hardcovers like 23, 24 mm. bucks. It's not a. Uh, it's not a very long read either. No, it's not a long read. I would um, say it's about what three issues. Three, worth. four issues worth, I'd say. Um, and it has a nice conclusion. It doesn't feel rushed. No. If you, if you read it and... Uh, and it leaves you know, it open-ended it, to where you want more, obviously. You, you, can, you can look for more. If, if, if you like read it and you're like, that's good for me, you can uh, just leave it there. It's, it's good. Throw, I would, throw it in the fireplace afterwards. Yeah. Good old-fashioned book burning. That's what, these, <laughs> that's what the days are missing. Um, I think that'll about do it. Hell yeah. For this edition. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you can find us every week, uh, usually Sundays, on the Pod Bros Podcasting Network at podbros.com. Look us up on Facebook, Kapowcast2015, Twitter at Kapowcast. And we also have an Instagram, which is uh, also just Kapowcast. Uh, you can also look us up on Google Play. Um, and hopefully soon, I keep saying it, but <laughs> we're working on it. Hopefully soon, iTunes, the stupidest things holding us back. Just bear with us um and then uh i also recently put in uh maybe we'll be up on stitcher radio soon <laughs> fingers crossed so Turn there's gonna be fingers. tons and tons of ways to uh enjoy enjoy the show if you will god damn it i said if that again. you will <laughs> uh nothing uh, wrong with that no no not at all only a few people will get that, but... Mm-hmm. And one of them died not too long ago. What? Dusty Rhodes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were talking about somebody we knew. I yeah, was like, Dusty, Dusty Rhodes. He was a good personal friend of ours. He was. Until next time, I'm Mike. And I'm Jeff. We'll see you next time on Kapowcast. <laughs>